Amen. Good morning. Everybody doing all right? Can I be honest with you? I've been struggling this week um, with just a sense of uh, um, inadequacy. You ever feel that? Just struggling with a sense of inadequacy that I don't have what it takes to do what God called me to. And just even this morning, and just speaking to my soul, you know, he's never failed me yet. Has he failed you? No, he's not about to either. He's not about to either. Praise God. Would you pray with me this morning before we get started? Lord, we worship you today. As a family, God, we just come before you. And we know that what we don't have, Lord, what we don't feel uh, strength in, God, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And we're not inadequate because you will speak through us and you will live in us and you will empower us for whatever it is that you call us to, no matter how great, how big the assignment may be, God, you'll call us and you'll equip us You'll prepare us and you'll give us the power and the words to say according to the story of God and your word and according to your promise to us, you will never fail us. So Father, right now, would you prepare our hearts and our minds for your word and give us, even before we hear anything today, God, will you help us to say yes right now? Yes. Lord, we say yes to whatever it is you call us to, whatever it is that you lay on our hearts, whatever it is you want to do in our church, in our families, in our jobs, in our lives, in our futures. God, we say yes, because our lives are not our own. They've been bought with a price. And so we say yes, and we surrender them even now. Lord, a blank check for you, God. We just say whatever it is you want to put on that, whatever it is, God, you want to do with our lives, we surrender them to you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Uh, God is so good. Look around the room and, and uh, looking around the room over there in the fellowship hall, and I just have such a joy to be with you. I love you so much, and I'm so thankful for you, and I'm so thankful for uh, you being with us today and um, all that you're doing, all that God's doing in you and in us as a church just blows my mind, and I'm so humbled to be a part of it in some small way. Um, We've been in this series called Rethink Church. Let's rethink the church. And you remember the first week we talked about, well, what is the church? We got to define it. And we don't want to define it by what I think or maybe what you think or my opinion or your opinion, right? Or our experience of the church. Well, this doesn't feel like the church I've been to, therefore dot, dot, dot. And it just feels like church ought to be dot, 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 right? We have to define what the church is by the way God speaks to us, which is his word, right? That has to be the qualifier of how we will define what the church is. That's what we talked about on the first week. And then last week we talked about relationships. See, we learned that the church is not a building. It's not a location and it's not an event. It's a people. Say that with me. Church is a people. Can we say that? Church is a people. That's us. We are the church together. It's not the building we're in. It's not our location that's been here for a long, long time. It's you and me in relationship together. That is the church. We, we're called to, to not just surface relationships. 
I think it's so easy sometimes in our experience of the church, uh, well, it's very natural for us to want to sort of hide, even from the garden. That's the first, we sin and the first thing we do is we run to go hide and we're still doing it. And even in church, we come up and we just kind of want to go, especially introverts, and we talk about some of our personality, we've got some of my people in the room, uh, but introverts, we kind of like, hey, how you doing? I'm just leave me alone. I don't want to, you know, it's like extroverts, my wife, hello world, <laughs> party with me. And I love her, you know, and she's, yeah, she's, she's helped me come out of my uh, introvert shell somewhat. But um, sometimes in the church, we just, we want to hide. We struggle with really wanting to be known and to know others. And there's no way we will ever be known and there's no way we'll know anyone else unless we get intentional about what that means. We have to be intentional. We have to walk life with people in an honest way. We have to go deep in relationship. We have to celebrate with one another. We have to weep with one another. We have to stir one another up to love and good works, as Hebrews tells us. We've got to be in each other's lives. We've got to know what's going on in each other's lives so that we can be involved. Hey, I'm praying for the job interview. Hey, I'm, I'm hoping that that conversation with your boss goes well. You're not going to have those kind of conversations. You're not going to be weeping with anybody unless you've built a trust and a relationship with people that means something that's significant, that's deep. And can I just say, we won't be the church God wants us to be until we walk in the depth of that relationship. And then I'm gonna tell you something else. When you get a taste of that kind of relationship, you'll trade off event church just like that. You'll say, man, give me a group of people that love me no matter what I've done, no matter my mistakes or my questions or the mess of my life. Give me a group of people that I can just walk life with that love me and will lead me to Jesus, that's got to be the church. And so this week, we're talking probably about the biggest conversation in Rethink Church. That is the mission of the church. Why do we exist? What's the, what's the point apart from having great relationships, apart from uh, being what God has designed to be together as the body of Christ? What does it mean for the church of Jesus to be on mission, because when I think about missions, if I'm being honest, growing up, I, I, when I think of missions, I think about an offering. I, I really do. When I think missions, I go, my mind automatically goes, well, we're taking an offering. And then I might think about having a special guest, and I can remember, Brother Jerry and Miss Sue, I can remember when you would come and, and share, and you'd share your pictures, and that was very interesting, seeing, you know, tribal people and, and natives and, and his work, and he was a pilot, and all, he was just like, well, he's still pretty much the coolest person I know. But uh, it's just so awesome to, to listen to those stories. And so when I think missions, I think, well, people like Brother Jerry, is, and they're one in a million, aren't they? And then I think about an offering. And that was my definition of mission in the church. Nobody ever helped me understand that we are all, like Lori said this morning, we are all called to missions. Did you know that? Yeah. We are. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're called to missions. Not just a few people we can call missionary. We give them the professional title, missionary. No, no, no. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are to be a missionary. Did we know that? Do we live like that? This is what Matthew tells us in Matthew 28, 16 through 20 in the Great Commission. 
says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Isn't that interesting? This is in the 11. I believe it's probably true of us today. Some of us will worship and some of us will doubt. And did you know what? Doubts are okay sometimes. God works in our doubts and he proves who he is to us, even sometimes in the middle of our doubts. So even if you're struggling, even with questions and doubt, come before the Lord. Seek him. Seek relationship with people and let him help you with those. It says in verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubt. In verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here's the question. Did Jesus intend for those 11 disciples to become apostles? Did he intend for those 11 men to be the only ones to go on mission? That's who he's speaking to right there, right? No, he intends for us all to be on mission. Look at what it says in the very last part of the sentence. To the end of the age. Now, unless you've seen a 2,000-year-old dude hanging around here, and you haven't, right? And unless the world has come to an end, then I just don't know it, and it hasn't. Then what the implication is, is that God's plan and desire is that we still be on mission for Christ, right? To the end of the age. That means that it involves me and you. Look at this next verse. Acts 1.8, Jesus is still speaking to these guys. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now we know that by the end of their lives, did they reach the end of the earth? No. Have we reached the ends of the earth? No. We haven't. So what Jesus is saying is, until the end of the age, and I come back, or until you take mission to the end of the earth, keep on keeping on, right? Keep doing mission. If you're a believer in Christ, you're a missionary. See, what started with the 11 then was shared to the 120, because right after this verse in Acts, it says that they, they came down and then they began to share with the, the church, which was numbered at about 120. So now we know it's our job for mission. Whether we reach the ends of the earth or the end of the age, whichever comes first, we keep going until the job is done. Everyone is called to be a missionary. By the way, that's a core value of South City. If you go through our What's Next group, then you'll understand we go through all our core values, and one of our core values is missional living. And what that means is that there's nothing we should do in life, whether, it be, whether you go to lunch today and you have lunch somewhere and a waiter comes up, Somewhere in our soul, we ought to be thinking, I wonder if this guy knows Jesus. Or the mailman that comes by, or the person that you get your hair done by, or the, the, whatever the case may be, that we have an awareness in our lives, a missional awareness. I wonder if they know Christ. And I wonder if God might, in his grace, use me in a conversation to help them know Christ. An, an awareness that there is a heaven, there is a hell that every person you encounter will go to one of those places. And when you begin to weigh that, when you begin to let your heart 
go to the reality of that, and you begin to place in your mind the fragility of life, then it'll move your heart to those conversations. Why does the church talk about evangelism anymore? Why don't we talk about sharing our faith anymore? Do we even know how? It starts with having, an emission, having a missional awareness of the world around us. Praying, God, would you give me the right opportunity? Right? I think there's an appropriateness that we, we want to build a, a relational equity, I call it. We want to build a relationship so that when we have that conversation, they go, well, he's not just some crazy person. I actually trust this guy. I've actually spent time with him. and I, He cares about me. But we have to be missionaries. Here's the good news, friends. We're not alone. We're not going to do it alone. It's part of the church. It's part of how we need to rethink church. Look with me in the scripture, if you will. This is our main text this morning. Ephesians 3, 6. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. It says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. You remember last week when I said, enter the mystery? Remember when I said that? What I was talking about is the fact that in the church, we may or may not just be best friends with everybody. We may not have a natural chemistry. Just, man, I just love this person. I'm really going to, that's not what God has called us to, natural chemistry. He's called us to the mystery. So think about this in the context of the first century church. He's called us to be Jews and Gentiles together. Cultures completely removed from each other. I mean, prejudice, struggle. Uh, uh, you can't imagine the differences. We think we have issues. And yet God has said, figure it out. You're, you're one. You're family now. Enter the mystery. That's what this is speaking of. Verse 7. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though, I'm the very least of all the saints. This grace was given uh, to preach the Gentiles unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Now, if you have your card this morning, I want to just make a couple of notes, okay? The first one is this. This is the mystery. What is the mystery? The mystery is that somehow God's bringing people who are not alike together to not just be kind of friends, but to be family, to love one another, to serve one another to care for one another. That's the mystery. And it's not called a mystery in some mystical sense that we'll never understand it. Like, man, there's just some things about the universe we're just never gonna understand. It's not, that's not, it's not what that means. When it says mystery in scripture, what it's saying is we haven't known what it has meant up until this point. It's been hidden. God has, has hidden this and now has revealed this to Paul and other apostles. So that's kind of exciting. This is new information, okay? The new information is something that is kind of, remember the, the conversation we talked about in, in Acts this summer when Peter got the revelation from heaven and it blew his mind. He didn't even know what he was doing. Couldn't hardly think straight. 
Cornelius had to say, hey, we want to hear the message that you have. Can you preach to us, please? Remember? Paul, Peter was just so out of his mind, he couldn't hardly believe what he had seen. This was such a big deal. God is calling us to life together as family. This mystery, that's what the mystery is. We've not known it to this point, but now God has revealed it. It's God's desire to create literally a new humanity in us coming together. That's what it says in Ephesians 2, that he's creating a new man. And this new man will become the family of families, become the church of Jesus. Look with me, if you would, Ephesians 2, 14. It says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, literally on the cross, the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. God was trying to show uh, the, the, the Ephesians here through Paul that the church is to be a, a, a family, to be multicultural, to have diversity, and that there'll be no more dividing walls, that we're one. And it saddens me that today we look across the landscape of the church, we're, we're not very close to the reality of that, are we? But we can continue to preach it We'll continue to believe that that is God's hope and desire and intent for this church and every church and walk in the way that he's called us to. So there's some things I want you to bring some notes down about. Number one, what is the mystery? Enter that mystery. What does it mean to have life together? And then what is Paul's role? What is, what's Paul's job in this whole deal? He told us in that passage in Ephesians 3. By the way, Paul has given this assignment. You may remember on the road to Damascus, remember he's, 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 Jesus reveals himself to Paul. He falls down, and then he goes into, somebody has to lead him into to Damascus. And you remember God goes to Ananias and says, hey, I want you to go to Saul and talk to Saul. And, and Ananias was like, excuse me? Remember that? You mean, you're talking about Saul? Saul, Saul. Saul who's dragging people out of their homes and killing people. That, you want me to, just to be so we're clear, Lord. And the Lord told Ananias, yeah, because he is my chosen instrument to speak to the Gentiles, even to kings. Remember that? And so Ananias is obedient. He goes and, and, and Paul is, is being discipled in the, these truths and he's baptized. It's beautiful. And, and Ananias tells him, this is what the Lord shared with me, that this is your role. So Paul knew his role. And he explains it even in this text in, in Ephesians 3. His role is to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is what Paul's role is. I'm to preach to the Gentiles. That's, that's my call. Next is very interesting. I want you to look. Bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery. What's the mystery? The mystery is us coming to what? To, together. Right? Different cultures, different races, different statuses. We're no longer divided and, and we've been so divided in hostile ways. And, and Jesus says, no, no, no. On the cross, I paid for that. Put that away. Put that behind you because on the cross, I paid that you could be one. 
Paul said, bring to light is my job, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery. What is the plan for the church? Because the mystery is us being together as one as the church. What's the plan of the church? Another word uh, translated where plan is could be, could be translated administration. What is the administration of the church? How is the church supposed to work, in other words? It's been hidden in God. He's kept the secret. He created all things, but up until now. And this is where I want us to focus this morning. Look here. The next part of the scripture says, so that through the church. Is church just a place where we come and we're just going to hear a message and sing some songs and feel good that we went to church and go home? Man, how long have so many of us made that the definition of church? And I'm telling you, can you just, can you try and wrap your brain around the significance of the role of the church of Jesus Christ in this text? That through the church, the manifold wisdom, in other words, it means many, it means the whole wisdom of God will be known that it might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. That's even the angels and his enemies, and, and the, the demons and Satan. They haven't known at this point exactly the plan, and now God is revealing the plan through the church. And this is according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Jesus said in Matthew 16, He said, I will build my church. I'm so glad he said that because I don't know how often I sin and I make the mistake of thinking I have to build the church. I want to apologize for that. It's not my role. My role is to be faithful, to serve you, to love you, to speak the truth from the word of God. But Jesus said, I will build the church. He didn't say, Drew will build the church. Or you. He said, I will build the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Evil forces didn't even know necessarily what the plan was. But through the church, God is making his manifold wisdom known to the world. I kind of, sometimes I shy away from this text because it just feels like it's above my pay grade. I, I don't know, you know, I just, I, I can't hardly break it down. It's, it's a big concept. It's the big picture. It's the main thing. We are called, every one of us as believers in Jesus, to be missionaries. But we're not called to do it alone. We're called to do it through the church. We're called to do it through the church, and that's the model that we see in Acts. Here's the reality. The church is to play a central role in mission. The local church is to be completely the main part of the mission because it's through the church that God's going to make his wisdom known to the world. The church has a central role in this assignment. Now, obviously, Jesus is the only one who saves. Jesus is the only one who can bring change and bring life. But it will be the knowledge of Jesus that we get to be a part, to be through the church that we get to help the world understand. The guy who writes our first principles material and, and build curriculum, his name is Jeff Reed. He's been here a few times. 
He says this in one of his books. He says, Christ's church is at the center of the purpose and plan of God. Therefore, the purpose of God, which should drive the believer today, ought to be the purpose of the church. The church should seek to serve Christ as he builds his church and ultimately his kingdom, which involves maturing in Christ as individuals and as communities, which we should be impacting with the gospel. The church is not just a feel-good thing that we might or might not go to. The church is at the center and the plan and strategy of God to reach the world. Have we thought of it that way? To me, missions was an offering and some really interesting person showing pictures. Not that my life was to be lived on mission, on assignment, and that it would be through the relationships I had in the body of Christ that would be to make him known through that group of people. And that he would give us opportunities as a body of Christ to make him known. If the church is at the center of God's plan, and it is, to redeem the world through Jesus, then we have to be about developing leaders and people to know the truth, right? And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do that. But let me, let me make this statement too. We don't just give our money away to a missions agency. We can't do that. That's not the will of God. Because it's through the church that God will make his manifold wisdom known to the world. So I want to make a couple of statements. It's not the biblical model to simply hand over its mandate to do missions to an outside parachurch missions organization. That's not the biblical model. The church must be engaged in mission. That means you and me. We must be engaged in mission as individuals and collectively as an organization. It doesn't mean that we can't support missions agencies. It doesn't mean that we can't take offerings. But to holistically just hand over our responsibility to do the work of missions is wrong. It's wrong. And I think we've done that some. It's easier to say, you know what, I'll pay for it, you go do it. Isn't it? Let me put a little money, I'll even pray a little bit about it. That's what we do. Yet God has called each of us to missions and to be obedient in following him to get the message out. It's through the church that the Lord wants to reveal his manifold wisdom to the world. We've changed at South City in the last couple of years. Our elders have worked on trying to think through this a little bit more. So instead of just kind of throwing money at missions, kind of a, a broad spectrum of missions, it's been our heart that we truly be connected to the missions agencies and connection points that, that we know these people and that we love them and that we support them, we pray for them, we're connected to them. So I don't know if you've seen our annual report or not yet, it's still it's on our website. We have paper copies in the back. But I want to kind of go down and, sh- and I want you to see our mission partners with me. I'm going to kind of go through this very quickly. But each and every missionary we now support is directly related to our church because we believe it's through the church. There has to be this immediate connection. Here's some of our local partners. Uh, Michael Height. Many of you know Michael, Jennifer and his family. Michael uh, is a partner at South City, but he's also the national director for Hispanic missions for the BMA. So we, we love Michael. We believe in what he's doing in church planning, especially in Hispanic churches, and we support him, and we give to Michael's work. It's a local work. Many of you know Dee Brown. He was with me just a couple of weeks ago. Dee is not, also, not only the chairman of our elders, but he's also the chairman of the board for the uh, City Church Network, which is trying to help the Church of Little Rock come together. 
and realize that there's a power in being the church of Little Rock together, that we're better together. So we're, we're supportive of that. Paul Stevens sitting over here. Paul's also a, uh, a partner of South City Church. He runs the Exodus Project. And the Exodus Project is basically helping felons come out of prison, be discipled to Christ, and not return to prison, but to get a new life. A new life started, and, and they're doing amazing work. That's one of his partners, Jimmy, that also helps at Exodus Project. Keith Medlock, many of you know Keith. Keith grew up in this church. He's a dear friend of mine. He runs the Little Rock Rescue Mission. We support the Little Rock Rescue Mission. Paul Hanley and Harold Smeckenbecker, you know these folks? Partners of South City Church. Paul serves as the pharmacist on, on, uh, at the uh, El Samaritano Clinic. And Harold serves on the board, and he's been doing it for years. We support that clinic. It's a free, by the way, it's a free clinic down baseline. If you need free health care of some sort, or maybe even help with some medications, they can help with that. Um, and I believe it's the first and third Mondays. Am I right, somebody? Harold? First and third Tuesday. Thank you. If you need help or need to know where it is, let us know. We'll get you an address. But we're proud of what they're doing, and we're excited about that work. Coach Clark. I love Coach Clark, and I love Life Skills for Youth. We have a desire to not just be connected, not just be neighbors. Anybody can be neighbors. We want to invest in the kids of Life Skills. And we're trying to figure out how to do that best because we want to love them really well. And we want to be connected into those families, and we're hoping to try and find a way to support that type of ministry effort. Benevolence, when there's a need within our church, somebody has a need, we, we pay for that need if we can out of benevolence fund. We also have our food pantry and our, our clothes closet. That's all connected through the Arkansas food, uh, food Bank. Our global partners, on February 24th, we're going to be uh, taking an offering for the BMA, and that's going to be a big offering. It's going to be something we really hope that you'll pray about and see how the Lord would move for you to be a part of that. We are connected as a network there with them, and we believe in the mission work that they're doing, and we want to support that on the 24th of February. Some others, Joel Singoga in uh, Kigali, Rwanda, is a dear friend of mine, Joel and Annie. We love them dearly. Me, uh, me and Daryl are both very close to them. Several of you know them are close to them. He is a church planner. He started a church planning network. He's doing it, man. He is going crazy down there. I, I love his work and his heart for Christ, and he is directly connected to me. Uh, a BMA missionary, Erlen Peck, is in Campeche, Mexico, dear friends with Elvis and Wendy. So we support their work in Campeche, and we're talking about putting together a mission trip to go to Campeche to build the church for them. And if you'd be interested in that, we might go down there and build a church. I'm not sure when or how, but Lord willing, we'll do that. We'll go do that. Uh, they were here with us a few weeks ago, Joe and Jesse Abang in Thailand, friends of Jerry and Sue. They're very connected to us. We, we love them. I don't know if we have a picture of them or not. Okay, they're on our website. Uh, Dr. Ethan Helm and family. Uh, many of you remember Dr. Ethan Helm and his wife Elizabeth and their family that just moved to Cambodia. They're the son of Tim and Rebecca Helm. And we love them. And, and we're praying for them and their work there. They are connected to us. It is through the church that God will make his manifold wisdom known to the world. And so it is through you and through me. We don't just hand over money and say, y'all go do it. We support, but we also say, God, what's our role? What's our role? We see Paul's role. Now, what's our role? Well, at, at this church, we're trying to make disciples. We're doing this root study, and man, it's fun. I'm, I'm having a blast in there. Senior, we've, we've filled the fellowship hall up three weekends in a row, 
And you guys are doing so great. Hang in there. Hang in there. Keep connecting with your mentors. We're doing roots. We're doing first principles in our small groups. Uh, we're doing the, the ACT cohort for our leadership. It's going to start February 17th. There's some information on your card this morning. If you're interested in that ACT cohort, let me or Dee know. We'd love to include you in that. A couple of weeks ago, we commissioned two new small groups, three really, a student small group, the Duncan small group in Midtown, and then also the Sorrels are going to be praying about uh, leading a small group in Maumel. So God's doing a work, and we're sending and commissioning people out as we see in scriptures. And listen, here's the thing that's really exciting for me as well. We are praying that in this room, I get so excited thinking about it, right in this room, somebody listening to my voice by God's grace, we'll hear him say something specific. Like, hey, go plan a church. Or, hey, go to this neighborhood. Or, hey, go to this country. God calls us all as missionaries, but he gives some of us a special assignment. You're my special assignment. What's your assignment? What's your role? What's God calling you to? Maybe it's somebody at work that doesn't know Christ. Maybe it's somebody that's just burdened, it's burdened your heart because you know they're struggling, they're dying. And if we have a missional awareness in our lives of people who know Christ and people who don't, then maybe it's time for us to have some conversations. We're praying that God would raise up church planners, disciple makers, missions leaders. It's not also important that uh, not only is the church uh, how the world will know the manifold wisdom of God, but it's also the place that holds up the very value of the truth of the word of God. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, if I delay, Paul says to Timothy, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, pillar and buttress of truth. It's through the church that we have to value this beautiful word of God. And hold it up. And I'm telling you, the world around us is going to hell in a handbasket. It's crazy what's going on around us. And we have to be a people that are different and changed by that word and hold it up and say, no, this is how we'll live. And this is how we'll live as a church family. So we're going to look at other organizations. We're going to look at other networks. We're going to, do, we're going to be connected to other missionaries that the Lord leads us to collectively. But whatever the case may be, any missions, organization, or network will be secondary to the work God wants to do in our local church. Does that make sense? we got to rethink missions. we got to rethink church. And I'd like for us to do that together. So if you'd turn around to your table and have a few short conversations about what missions really is and our church's role in it, that'd be good. And we'll come back and I'll close this in about 15 minutes, okay? Amen. Daryl and I were talking this week about this message and, and today, and he reminded me of this beautiful verse. I want to share it with you before we go, can I? 
2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17 says this, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us, the church, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. When you leave this place this morning, you will take with you an aroma. And for those who know Jesus, it'll be an aroma, a reminder of where we're headed, the big picture, that all in all is Jesus. Our life is found in him. But for those that don't know him, your presence may be an aroma of death and may be off-putting because they're enemies of God. They are against his will and his way. Let's pray for those people. And we don't have it over the back door. I've thought about putting it out there several times, but can I, I just say this? And I've got a couple announcements before we go, but when you walk through those doors, you're, in, you're entering your mission field. Every one of you is a missionary. May God use us individually and collectively for his glory to make him known. Last thing before we go, next week we're going to start our new series. I'm excited about it. Uh, it's called Counterfeit Faith. I don't want one of those, do you? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't want to have a counterfeit faith. I want my faith to be authentic and to be real. But much of the country and many folks in, in the church, the Big C Church, that's exactly what they have. And James speaks to this issue uh, as the pastor of the Church of Jerusalem. What does it mean to be an authentic believer? What does it mean to have an authentic faith in Christ? And so we start our study, 10-week study in the book of James starting next week. You don't want to miss the beginning, okay? God bless you. If we can do anything for you, pray with you. This altar will stay open. We'll pray. We'll spend time with you if you have a need this morning. We would love to, to know that and, and share with you. Uh, if you have questions about us, let us know. And then also, if you're interested in that leadership cohort, come talk to me today as well, okay? Uh, God bless you very much. We love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Bye-bye.